Like that, isn't that kind of scary? Because you think of Je- like everyone loves Jesus who's kind and Jesus who's nice, and then when Jesus is like, Well, listen, you know, like actually, let the dead bury their own. Like, if you want to look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. Because really, what Jesus is saying is that this new allegiance should so captivate our lives that we're willing to follow Him, we're willing to leave the past behind. Jesus is kind and He's loving, but He's also honest. Some of what he said in his time on earth may not have been pleasant to hear, but it was true and necessary. Jesus reminds you that your allegiance to him must trump everything else in your life. In today's message, Pastor Daniel will ask you to examine where your loyalty lies. Is it in this world or in your Savior? The world gives you nothing in return, so give yourself fully to the author of life. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message, A New Allegiance, in Romans chapter 6. A lot of people struggle with the idea of God's grace because you think, well, if I'm under grace, then I can kind of, you know, grace would drive me to live however I want to. And really what Paul is saying is that if the law would make you a certain way, grace would make you even better than that. Right? Like, so God's grace is the ultimate motivator of life. And really, the reason God's grace is the ultimate motivator of life is because tied into God's grace is the gift of His Spirit, which enlivens the life of God in your life. So it's not about us pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps to be better. It's about us learning how to lean into His Spirit, allowing His Spirit to birth the resurrected life of Jesus in us. And so our lives would be uniquely characterized. Now, here's the thing you have to ask yourself. Because oftentimes people, when you look at Christianity because of God's grace, Christians don't take their life all that seriously. Is your life exemplary in the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit because of God's grace? What I would say is it should be. Our lives should be exemplary. Our lives should be atypical. As Jesus said, as we're salt and light, that we should let our light so shine before men that they'd see our good works and they would glorify our Father in heaven. See, the early church grew because the people of God were so unique in their culture, living so differently than everybody else, that everyone's like, what is up with those people? And the gospel runs forth. But unfortunately, the church of Jesus Christ doesn't have that testimony today because even though we're not under the law, We're allowing God's grace to be cheapened by our actions. So from there, the Apostle Paul says something quite unique and almost provocative. I'll give you the big idea and then I'll unpack it for you. Really what these verses are teaching us is that there is freedom in being a slave to righteousness. There's freedom in being a slave to righteousness. Now, I know when I say that, everyone's like... Huh? Right? Because the word freedom and slave is in there together. Right? And we have this idea that, 
especially when we talk about things of slavery, right? That slavery is antithetical or completely paradoxical or the exact opposite, if you want to use a normal word, to, to the things of freedom. But really what he's saying here is if you look at verse 16, it teaches us something very powerful. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Now, what this means And I know nobody likes hearing this, but if you actually think about this, you'll realize it's absolutely true that none of us are completely free moral agents. Each one of us presents ourselves submissive or subservient to something. Remember I talked about your allegiance, the way you see yourself? Listen, if your driving passion is to be wealthy... By the world's standard. He's like, look, I, I will not stop until I have $2 million in assets. Then at that point, you actually present yourself as a slave to that vision of life. And whatever way you choose to approach that goal, you, if you really truly want that, you present yourself a slave to that. You, and the idea of slavery is you give up your autonomy to a greater vision. Right? Let me give you an example. For almost all of us, you have a job. Now, whether you like your job or not, when you give yourself to a job, in the biblical sense, by and large, when we think of slavery, of course, we think of uh, slavery as it relates to people uh, from Africa, where people in the West went there, kidnapped people against their will, took them, and forced them into labor. And that is absolute atrocity. We all know that. Right? We still live in a day and age where there's human trafficking that's going on. It's, you know, it's so common. It's almost horrific. You realize that where we live, the Portland metro area is one of the hub cities for human trafficking where young people are taken against their will and they are being sold. Right? It's an absolute atrocity. Right, And so when we think about slavery, we put them in these terms given our cultural viewpoint. But in the Bible, by and large, slavery meant when you could not pay your bills on your own autonomously. You would link yourself as a servant to somebody who had more money. And you would work for them and then you would receive wages. We would call that what? A job. Right? And so in a sense, when you go to your job, you become a slave in a sense. Now, you have much more rights than the way we would think about slavery. But the idea is is that you give them your time. They pay you a wage and then you perform a job. Now, if you're like, well, I don't want to perform that job, then guess what? You don't have to have that job, right? But really what you're doing is you're giving them yourself. And in the same way, what he's saying here is that for each one of us, we give ourselves to something. Now, really what Paul does, he breaks up into two places. And here's the thing, no matter what your allegiances are, you are either in one of these two categories. You are either giving yourself over as a slave to sin, which here says leads to death, or you make yourself a slave to obedience or righteousness that leads to life. So really it's a question of what are you obeying today? And here's the thing, if you're saying, well, listen, I want this thing, I want pleasure, then you are actually obeying the desires of what you believe pleasure to be, and that ultimately leads to sin and to death. 
But really what Jesus offers when he enters your life, he says, look, you can either be a slave unto sin to obey the desires of sin. And that will ultimately lead to death, spiritual separation from God. It's like, or you present yourself to be obedient to Jesus, which now you become a slave to righteousness that leads to life. And that's the great dividing point that Jesus offers. Now you have to ask yourself, who are you a slave to? Who have you placed as your allegiance that leads to your obedience? Are you a slave to sin that ultimately leads to separation, death? Spiritually, personally, emotionally, even socially? Or have you presented yourself as subordinate or a slave to Jesus that leads to righteousness and life? Look what it says, verse 17. It says, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from your heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Now, really what Paul is saying here is like, this is why Jesus is so important. Because outside of Jesus, everybody is a slave to sin. Sin has power over you that even though you don't always do everything that sin asks of you, by and large, you completely give it over to it. And many of us know what that's like. When we look at our lives before Christ, you're like, I didn't even realize that that was wrong. And every time I wanted to do that, I just did it, right? And he's saying, but guess what? When you put your faith and trust in Jesus by believing the teaching of the gospel that the apostles shared, now all of a sudden you've been moved from being a slave to sin to being a slave of righteousness. So your allegiance now moves. And of course, verse 18, and having been set free from sin, you became a slave of righteousness. And what that means is that now your life is lived with a completely different allegiance. That when you wake up in the morning, you don't think it's all about me. You wake up in the morning, you think it's all about Jesus. When you wake up in the morning, you say, listen, it used to be about me getting what I want from everybody. And now it's about me giving Jesus what he's asking of me so that I can truly love other people. And that new allegiance changes everything. And there's freedom in being a slave of righteousness. It's like what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in me... And in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Set you free. See, what God has done in Christ, if you have put your faith and trust in him, is he has allowed you to be freed from your enslavement to live contrary to the purposes and plans of God, what the Bible calls sin. See, sin is not that you're the worst possible version of yourself. Sin is the fact that your life never lives up to your fullest God-given potential. And not the way that you see your potential, but the way God created you. God's plans and purposes for your life. And isn't it true that before we came to know Jesus, we didn't even know what God's plans and purposes for our life was? I remember when I came to know Jesus when I was 21. And I remember being like, I didn't even know. Like I never, I had, there was no framework of this. And I remember just living my life and I, and I actually thought that in the Bible it said God helps those who helps themselves. I literally thought that was in the Bible. 
Not that I'd ever read the Bible, but I just figured that that was in there. You know, it talks about God and it's about the Bible, you know. As I grew up, you're like, man, God helps those who help themselves. So I'm going to help myself to whatever I want. But the Bible doesn't actually ever say that. But what happens is, is God frees us up now to live a different way. With different allegiances. Whereas the way you find yourself living becomes so radically unique to what you ever thought it would be. Now he goes on from there in in verse 19. He says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. But now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. What fruit did then you have in those things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. So really what he's saying here is that you need to leave death in the past. When you come to Christ, you need to leave death in the past. He's saying, look, before you became a slave of righteousness, he says, really all that went on is you presented your members, your life as subservient or enslaved to uncleanness and of lawlessness, which led to what? More uncleanness and more lawlessness. See, when you become a, when you live out or live into your enslavement to rebellion against God, you give yourself to, I mean, these words are kind of important, I think. He says, to uncleanness. And ultimately, uncleanness to the idea of lawlessness. Now, lawlessness does not mean what is legal in your culture. It's speaking of God's law, a law that is greater. Now, here's the thing, because we live in a day and age where our culture has all sorts of things that are lawful that the Bible says is unclean and unrighteous. And here's the thing, if you're a follower of Jesus, just because our culture makes it lawful doesn't mean we should want to do those things. We live based on a higher law, the law of love, the law of grace, the law of holiness. So anytime you say, well, they made it legal, so it's okay, wrong if you're a follower of Jesus. Because our, our standard for righteousness is not whatever government we are living under. We have a, a higher law. James calls it the, the law of liberty, the law of freedom, right? So just because something is legal... Like, you know, our culture says if you're 21, you can do certain things. If you're 18, you can do certain things. Guess what? What does your Bible say about those things? See, because what God wants is he doesn't want his kids to be slaves to uncleanness and lawlessness. Why? Because all of these things are progressive. Does that make sense? Like, as you grow and as you learn... As you go farther down the road, things become progressive. So if you're living as a slave to sin in uncleanness and lawlessness, it's going to lead to more uncleanness and lawlessness. And all of us know what that's like. What began small all of a sudden becomes amplified and becomes something that at some point you're like, I'm totally ashamed of this about myself. Right? Because that's what he says there. Because he's talking to people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. He says, what fruit then did you have from those things? Verse 21, of which you are now ashamed. In hindsight, there's shame that comes from living as a slave of sin. That leads to unrighteousness and death. But Jesus intervenes in our life knowing 
that were carrying those things. But he's saying, no, 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 listen. You used to be slaves, but now you're free. Now, what you used to do, you don't have to do anymore. And can I just say this? For those of you who are here who are followers of Jesus, have you left the death in the past? Have you left those things that lead to death in the past? Here's what I've realized. In our day and age today, one of the things that I see, in it, and it's tragic and it's common, is that people believe in Jesus, but they want us to live in the sins that they grew up doing. Right? Or what's becoming more and more common now is that I see people who love Jesus letting the culture de-church them or, or pull them away from righteousness. They begin to start to walk in liberty that our culture allows that they never would have done before. And then all of a sudden, you see godly people destroying their lives. People who had rock-solid Christian families and now all of a sudden, one of the spouses are off the reservation. See, this so often in this day and age. Why? Because what you're doing is you're taking what Jesus died and he killed and you're bringing it into your present. But we need to leave the death in the past. You know why I want to leave death in the past? Because it's death. I mean, anybody who's been through cancer treatment, do you want to go back there again? No, you're like, I'll leave the chemotherapy in the past, thank you very much. Not looking to bring that into the present. But what a lot of us do with our lifestyles is that we were slaves to sin and we lived in all this stuff and then Jesus intervenes in our lives and he makes us a slave of righteousness and then we walk for a while until we start inviting that stuff back in. And for you and I, we need to leave the death in the past. And Jesus spoke this way. Listen to what he says in Luke chapter 9, verses 59 to 62. Jesus said to another, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are in my house. And Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, when Jesus talks like that, isn't that kind of scary? Because you think everyone loves Jesus who's kind and Jesus who's nice. And then when Jesus is like, well, listen, you know, like, actually, let the dead bury their own. Like, if you want to look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. Because really what Jesus is saying is that this new allegiance should so captivate our lives that we're willing to follow him. We're willing to leave the past behind. Now, brother, sister, listen, let me ask you a simple question. What in your past has Jesus, because you know that what this is is shameful, it's unclean, it's unrighteous, it leads to death. What has Jesus said to you? It's time to leave that behind. What is it? You need to put that in the past right now. Now, I realize that's not the easiest thing. And I realize that sometimes you have to unravel things that are pretty intertwined. And say, I was just talking to someone recently, and they're not married, they're living with their significant other, and they know that it's wrong. Because they know all that comes with it. It's the wrong testimony, and that's just what other people see. They know what's going on inside. And they're like, Okay, I know it's wrong, but how do I unravel this? I'm like, easy. The same way that you raveled it. Well, we share our finances. Well, guess, get your own bank account. Well, I need a roommate. It doesn't have to be your significant other. Is it righteous? No. Does unclean? Yes. 
boom. And then before you know it, they're like, oh. And guess what happens? When you follow Jesus and you unwind that stuff, it's way better. Because you know you can't enjoy what God has when everything is intertwined in a way that isn't holy. Now, let me share a story with you. The reason I bring this up is when I first got called into ministry, I was living in a house with another guy and two girls. Now, I was not romantically involved with any of either of these girls. But one of the elders said, Pastor Daniel, this is before I was a pastor, he's like, if you really want to follow Jesus, do you really want that testimony? I'm like, well, I'm not, you know, I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, well, you're living in a house with girls who you're not married to, and they're adult women, and they're beautiful women. And I'm like, yeah, but they're my friends. And then he's like, but yeah, but that might be so for you. But if somebody looking at your life, seeing what does a Christian look like, what happens if they go move in and they have roommates who are, who are of the opposite sex and then they fall in sin, you realize that you actually set that up for them. And I was like, I never thought of that. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to move out. And it was so awesome. You take that step and before you know it, it's like God opened up a door. I moved into an apartment. God opened up another door. And, and it was like, and everything got fixed. And I'm like, oh, this is so much easier. I don't want to stumble anybody. But here's the thing. That was me being willing to leave death in the past. And here's the thing. For a lot of us, I say that, you know that that's you and you're not like, I'm not, who do you think you are, Fusco? I said, I'm nobody. My only job is to tell you, if you want the life that Jesus died and rose again for, sometimes you got to make hard decisions. But you have to be willing to make the decision. You have to be willing to leave the death in the past. This is such a powerful reality of when you have a new allegiance, when you allow Jesus to show you who you are, and then you begin to follow Jesus. Jesus begins to teach you a whole new way of living. And we have to leave the death in the past. We have to leave those dead things and let them be gone. So that God can lead us into something brand new. And that's why, notice what it says. He says, for, for when you're slaves of sin at the end of verse 21, for the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the, and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And really what we learn here is that holiness and eternal life is a gift from God. That's what God offers. He's saying, look, the end of a life lived as a slave to sin is death. But he says, but you've been set free from sin and you become a slave of God and you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Notice that holiness and everlasting life. See, holiness is a life that's distinct, that is linked up because God is the holy God. There's no one like him. God is absolutely pure and right and true. Jesus is real. Does your allegiance truly lie with Jesus? That's a question Pastor Daniel wants you to ponder as our time with you today comes to an end. When the grace of Jesus truly grabs hold of your heart, you'll find that you're abundantly grateful for the new life you've been given. You'll see how your life has become new and better than before him. That allegiance can then drive you to tell others about this grace that can save them too. 
If you've enjoyed Pastor Daniel's teaching today on Jesus is Real Radio, we'd like to invite you to join us at Crossroads Community Church for our Sunday services at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you can't come in person, you can still be part of our vital congregation by tuning in to our live stream. Find out more at crossroadschurch.net. That's crossroadschurch.net. Hi, friends. Pastor Daniel here. I'd love for you to be part of the Crossroads Community Church family. But I understand some of our listeners can't make it to the actual church building. If that's you, come join us online. We live stream our Sunday morning services at crossroadschurch.net. So grab a cup of coffee and join us wherever you are for our time of worship and teaching. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel reminds you that if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you aren't subject to the same judgment as non-believers anymore the 613 laws found in the Old Testament are the standard by which the unrighteous will be judged. But with Jesus, that becomes null and void. He was judged and found innocent, but he still died to set you free. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.